Welcome to Gurgle, a bite-sized podcast from the creators of Ad Nauseam. Looking to whet your appetite for the classics? Gurgle will tickle your taste buds and leave you wanting more. And now, from the Vomitorium, here are your hosts, Dr. David Noe and Dr. Jeff Winkle. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Gurgle Part 4. Part 4, we're gurgling again. That's correct. All right. After a small hiatus, right? Yeah. We did some breathing, we did some relaxing, we did some uh, long-form podcasting, now we're gurgling. Now we're gurgling, right? And we, we, we've got to keep the banner to a minimum because these things are tight. Yes, that's right. All right, so Dave, what are, we talking, what are we talking about? So this is Part 2 of Why You Should Memorize Latin and How to Do It. Okay. Well, um, maybe just a brief refresher. Yes, from, I think we from need to do one. that. So, so, you know, why why should you memorize Latin? Right. Well, it's you know maybe not for everyone, but a, a large portion of our audience are either Latin teachers, Latin mm-hmm. students, uh, Latin aficionados, and maybe those who have no introduction to Latin whatsoever can augment and elevate their everyday conversation by slipping a little Latin in here and there. Absolutely, right. Yeah, it's yeah. going to sound nice. It's a beautiful language, I would say, and uh, it's all a question of how you're going to use your spare time. Right? Gotcha. You and I, we like to relax, kick back, watch movies, do do things that you know are not um, uh, exclusively devoted to learning. Mm-hmm. But you can't only do that. Right? Yeah. Sometimes you got to uh, expand your mind. That's so, exactly right. Yeah. And here's a good way to do that. All right. So where do you be, where do you begin? Well, we uh, previously in part one we covered the first twelve of these bon mots, right? Yes, these yes, fancy yes. little sayings that um, are easy to commit to memory. And uh, we have a number of these which are collected by a woman named Laura Gibbs mm. in her little uh, freely available online PDF called Brewissima, 1001 Tiny Latin Poems. So she collected and edited all of these. She says, please note the texts of the poems themselves are in the public domain and may be freely reprinted, modified, and remixed in any way. So that's what we're doing. And uh, you should check out her work if you want to see it you know, uh, in the original. Yeah. Now, is this is that book of hers okay, organized along any particular lines? And so, okay, these poems are from like this era or these authors or. Uh, it seems to be. Um, there's definitely a, a very sophisticated organization, but it's not chronological. Okay. It's a little more thematic. Okay. And uh, I'm really enjoying it, and I have excerpted uh, for the Loki Recitandi passages to be memorized. I have excerpted some of those and mixed them in uh, with quotes from the scriptures, taken from uh, different authors. You know, Jerome. Uh, Theodore Beza, John Calvin, different translators mm-hmm. of the Christian scriptures into Latin. So we mingled those in, and at the end, we're going to explain again how you can uh, lay your hands on these. Okay. If you want to get both the text, you want to get the Latin um, edition and the English translation, we have a way for you to do that. So you ready to jump in? Let's do it. So what's uh? So we're up to number thirteen. We're on number thirteen. That's okay. right. What do we got? And so this is from Psalm thirty-nine, seven, and uh, this is a real nice pithy sentiment which uh, exemplifies a number of interesting Latin elements. So it goes like this. Et nunc quid expecto, domine, space mea ad te est. All right. Which means, and now, O Lord, for what do I wait? My hope rests with you. I see. Okay, yeah. So what I like about this, right, it's highly idiomatic. It's a conversation. The individual's talking to God. It's it's King David. And uh, so the, the way to cite this is that when you're citing from an author, you use the preposition apud. Okay. Which takes the accusative. So yep. But if the name is David, it's a Hebrew name, doesn't decline. So you don't even bother, like, no. don't make it Dawidum. No, right. no. Some authors do, but the, the tradition is not to. Yep. Uh, the tradition that is set by Jerome. So this is Apud David. So we got a nice vocative in there, Domine. Mm-hmm. And then this highly idiomatic phrase, space mea, my hope, rests ad te, with you. It rests next to you. Okay, yeah. Now, uh, not to get... 
too pedantic or That's anything. Right. But sure. um, if I was I was looking at that the space may ad te est, um, I would be more prone not to use a preposition there. Maybe use a like a dative. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we, is this is this later Latin where it's becoming. Um, that those kinds of uses of the dative and the absolute are kind of falling by the wayside? or I think that uh, if we used a dative of possessor there, which is a very interesting suggestion, I think we'd run into trouble with the uh, possessive adjective mea. Mm. It sounds a little bit odd to say space mea, my hope is your hope. Right? I see. I think that's what would actually end up happening. Gotcha. Although it's an excellent suggestion, it could be reworded uh, to use that dative. But I think um, if we want to keep space mea, it's got to be like this. Okay. Yep. Now, since, so, so we're still on, on sure. the first one here. Um, what benefit could a, a Latin learner get from kind of memorizing this phrase? Oh, yeah. Okay, what, what's, what, what's, what's going to sink into the mind? What's going to stick? Well, first of all, good style. You know, notice the first three words, et nunc quid. Mm -hmm. how, do, how do most people compose a Latin sentence? Okay, subject, object, verb, yes. right? Which is correct. That's good syntax. But real Latin has a lot of monosyllabic... Uh, connectors yeah they're not really fillers they give the language its rhythm and its its point and so this is very idiomatic Latin okay at, at nunc quid at this point now what am I waiting for domine right put it uh, right there at the end and uh, so you learn that space is a feminine singular because it's modified by mea yep right and because you have a singular verb est um, you learn that you can put an interrogative quid expecto you know, third in the sentence, mm -hmm. which is something that you can learn from a good composition book, but you got to dig for it, right? You got to dig for it. Okay. Here you just have memorized it, so now you can apply it. Gotcha. All right. Should we go on to 14? Yeah, let's do it. What's next? All right. <clears throat> so this is from um, Appendini, Urbano Appendini, right? An Italian author who wrote these little distiches, these two liners. And uh, here it goes Ad bene we vendum quid quid, natura paravit, nil datami kiti a. Gratius est homini. Now, is, is that in a specific meter? Yes. Okay. Well, you know this, Jeff. I'm just doing this for the listeners. Right. It's an elegiac couplet. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So the first line is, is an hexameter. The second line, roughly a pentameter, okay. double, hemi, double hemiepes. So, ad bene we vendum quid quid in natura parawit. For living well, right, in order to live well, whatever nature has provided, mm -hmm. nothing, nothing has been given to man, nil datum homini, mm -hmm. that is more pleasing than friendship amakitia. Ah, yes. Isn't that a nice sentiment? It's a very nice sentiment. It's an excellent sentiment. So friendship is a gift of nature, and you need it to live well. Yes. yes so in terms of the, you know, the fine style, we got adabene we wendum. We've got a gerund right there in the front showing purpose. Yes. We have uh, amakitia. We've got a comparative noun, a feminine singular ablative comparative. Uh, in the second um, in the second line and we have a um, gratius we've got the comparative adverb gratius mm -hmm. now I'm not I'm noticing that second line so nil datum amicitia gratius omni right so it's nil datum in, in the English nil data me right 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 but you're then you jump to the the homini right um, that's right given to to a, a person yes and then you have the amicitia that's kind of embedded in the line in the very center that's right kind of yes exactly embraced, embraced by the yes uh, by the by the clause yeah right. very very uh, astute observation and a homony right it's typical in a couplet you wait till the last foot of the couplet the last spot in the line for the big reveal right this is how marshall and catullus write all their witty mm -hmm. all their witty uh, couplets and yes. so homony right is put at the very end because that resolves the meaning of the two lines yes. completely. Excellent. Right. Urbino Appendini. Appendini. I love that name. Isn't that great? Yeah, so great. this is Apud 
Appendinum, right? It comes from Appendini. Yes. Shall we move on? 15. All right. So this is another couplet, and this is, comes from Verrinus. So it's Apud Verrinum. It's from his work, De Mordribus Purordrum Distica. So distiches, two-liners, mm-hmm. uh, on a good character for children. Okay. De Mordribus Purorum. And it goes like this. Diwiti ai non sunt argenti, pondus et ardri. Virtu te sueras, accipedi with the as. All right. So, uh, riches are not the weight of silver and gold. Yes. Understand, Akipe, that virtue is true wealth. Notice, I notice all the uh, the V's yes. at the end. So it gives it kind of a nice, uh, well, uh, yeah, virtu te sueras, the witty as. That's right. It's kind of a nice rhythm. Definitely yeah. a, a real alliteration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's a preachy kind of sentiment, but. I think it's true. It I is mean, true. I think it's true. You know, what do you have if you have uh, lots of wealth, but you know, you're a, you're a wretched, um, cruel person. Yeah. That that is not uh, true wealth. Right? It is true. I was in a, a recent class of uh, religions class I'm teaching. Mm-hmm. A certain kind of sentiment came up in one of the the sacred texts we were reading, and one of my students said that he says, "Yeah, he says I think we all know that money can't buy happiness." Right. But he says. But we all kind of want to find out for ourselves. Yeah, that's right? very that's very wise. <laughs> right, sharp uh, young man or woman yes. there who uh, who came up with that. Yeah, and also the nice thing about this second line here is, uh, as you read it so nicely, we're to taste wereras akipadiwitias. The adjective here wereras, since it's feminine plural accusative, could go with either we're to taste or with duwitias. Oh yeah, it's akipa, take understand. It's an it's an imperative. Understand that wealth is uh, true virtue or understand that a virtue is is true wealth. is true wealth is genuine wealth that's very nice so placed right between them that's a figure of speech apakoinu right in between two things could go with either one mm-hmm. yeah right and that's something that latin can do that english can't no right? it can't so if it, that adjective true would be very obviously going with one or the other that's right usually yeah. before it right yeah uh both latin and greek can do that latin borrowed it from greek yes all right what's next next is from a guy named gatis Giuseppe Gatti. Gatti. Yeah, 1703, from his Sales Poetici Proverbiales et Jacosi. Uh, Sales is like witty or salty. Uh, so witty poeticisms, proverbial sayings, and uh, jokes, Jacosi, one-liners. All right. <laughs> so it goes like this. Viva pies emper fustra peccata teguntur, nullus in his terris, est sin testa locus. All right, so that same that same rhythm we've had in the previous. That's two. right, okay. the couplet. Yep. All right. So this means uh, always live uh, with piety or righteousness. Always live legit, genuine. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's no good trying to cover up your faults or your peccata, your sins are uh, covered in vain. Frustra. There is no place in the world free of a witness. Ah, oh, yes. So someone's always going to see you doing it, no matter what it is. Right. You think, okay, no one's around, right? I could do this or that. No, there's just, your, your sins are going to find you out. Yeah. Someone's going to see it. Right. And again, very true. Very true. Very true. Yeah. And th- th- that last, that last, that second line, um, you have Nullis and Loki's again embracing the, yes. the line. Yeah. Yeah. Can you say a little bit more about that? Because I mean, we're looking at this, but if if you're n- you're not able to see the line, it might not be quite as clear. Right. Well, I mean, just the, the sentiment that you know, there's there's no place on the earth without a, without a witness. Right. Um, the no place is almost like it's it's like it, it has it in its, its its hands. Right. Because Nullis is the first word in the line. Right. Which is modifying locus. The last word in the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. I love it how can just even visually a line can 
um, enforce, underline, and kind of extend the meaning of, right. of, of what's being said. And that's part of the beauty of Latin. You know, every language has its charms. Uh, if you press me real hard, I can say some good things about English because mm -hmm. uh, it has some, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, but Latin has different charms, yes. and I think they're really quite delightful. Right. Now, as so a quick side note, sure. so these uh, Salis Poetici, do we, hey, like, who would be reading these? Mm. Do we know uh, anything about other, the audience? Other mostly men and some women, you know, who could read Latin. So, But uh, if you're writing in 1703 in Italy and you're writing these uh, Salis Poetici, you're going to have an international audience. If you want to have an international audience, you can use the lingua franca, and so anybody can read them, right? In, yeah. In, in England, in France, in Germany, in the New World, right? Right. Uh, but uh, if you're writing in Italian, you have really um, restricted the scope of your readership. Right, right. Which makes it interesting that that, that um, and that, I mean that really starts to change like within a century. If you think about guys like Mozart, right, and other opera writers, you did not write operas in Latin; you wrote them in no, Italian. No, so no. You do start to see that's that a shift. very genre-specific language. Yes, right. Or but, maybe language-specific genre. But I do think you start to see a shift towards um, uh, um, languages like like French and like Italian mm -hmm. in the arts. Absolutely, um, and and maybe that is uh, kind of go is is hand in hand with kind of Latin Latin perhaps starting to decline yes. as a lingua franca. Right. So you wanted to go there, huh? Uh, well, I'm mean, bring a sad note in the decline of Latin. Right. We're not we're not done here though. No, no. Okay. We got more. We got another one from David here. Yeah, from King David, Psalm twenty five three, not in poetry, and uh, this is almost a tongue twister to be frank. But uh, Calvin is the translator of this one, and it reflects uh, the original Hebrew. So etiam omnes quite expectant. Non pudefi ant, pudefi ant qui perfide agunt sine causa. Yeah, it doesn't roll off the tongue like the previous. No, it does not. Uh, poems. This is probably the most difficult one I've included in, in the twenty Loki recitandi. Okay. Uh, kind of as a challenge, and also because the sentiment is really nice. All those who wait upon you will not be put to shame. Non pudefi ant. So this is the verb fio fieri. Latin students know this as a common irregular verb mm -hmm. with a compound of pudor, right, meaning shame. So. Those who wait on you will not be put to shame. Pudefi ant. Now we have a subjunctive. Same verb right next to uh, the previous one, but now in a different mood. Ant versus ant. Right? Yes. Isn't it amazing? Latin, you can change the entire meaning of a verb by altering one letter. Right. That's part of Latin's charm. English, very different. Right. So let them be put to shame who behave shamefully, perfide, for no reason, Sinecausa. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Apud Dawid, Psalm 25.3. Excellent. Um, we got to move along, don't we, you think? We do. Okay, I, I, have, I, have, I have a couple of questions. Maybe I can okay, go them, ahead. You know, go ahead. I'm, just, I'm, I'm curious. I think the, the audience would like to know, uh, like for you personally, right. um, what have the, have the benefits for memorizing Latin? What have they done for you in terms of like learning the language or just it, it, other benefits? Okay, or, so this is the most surprising benefit. It is much easier for me to memorize things in Latin than in English. Really? Yes. How can I, I don't know, but I think it's the unfamiliarity of it and the highly um, structured syntax. If you're reading a sentence of English, it can be, uh, how do I say this? Although the, word, the, the words have to follow a specific order, there's nothing really predictable about how to build a sentence. Mm -hmm. But with Latin, I kind of know there has to be a nominative coming. There's got to be a genitive. There's got to be a dative. This preposition is going to expect an adjective of a certain case. And so um, over you know many years of study, Latin is really sticky mm. in, my, in my memory yeah, yeah, yeah. in a way that English is not. Yeah. And I think it's partly the unfamiliarity of it. Right. And it's partly just um, the structure that I was talking about. Now, let me ask you this. So I, I've noticed something that I struggled with when I've 
make my kind of um, lazy attempts to learn some Italian or modern Greek right. and, and such. And anytime you're learning language, the memorization has to be a part of it. Of course. Um, but um, so when you memorize Latin and, and when you, you you bring these these quotes, right. uh, you know, from uh, from your mind to your to your lips, um, are you reading them in your head? Yes, you are. You kind of you see the text in your right. head. Okay. Yeah, it's very visual. Okay. In fact, that's how I speak Latin. You know, to the extent that I do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I've worked hard on this. I'm not great at it. There are there are others who are much better. But um, as I as I mentioned to one of the really good ones, our former um, guest Patrick Owens. Yes. Right. I don't feel like I'm really speaking Latin. I'm composing it rapidly in my head. Okay. And then reading it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and he says, "Well, you know, that's what we all do." Until you reach a certain stage, right? And I'm not quite there. Depending on the complexity of the idea, I can do it, but for the most part, I'm just rapidly composing and then reading what's in my mind. I would think that only kind of a, like a, a prolonged, immersive experience Correct. would 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 kind of get you over that over that hurdle. That's right, right. and right. that's you know what I hope to do someday. Yeah, is have five weeks, six weeks. Yeah, remember reading about Schliemann and how he would acquire a language. Uh, when he was, um, what is that book? I think it's a, we talked about it before, The Lost Treasures of Troy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was mostly a, a biography of Schliemann with the Troy stuff mixed in. Yeah. But um, as he traveled by train across Europe, in whatever country he was, he would write in that language. Right, he, he kept his diary. That's correct. Right. And the way that he mastered up to 18 languages was that he would focus on nothing else for, say, six, seven, eight weeks. Yeah. And he would not read one word of German if he were mastering French, not one word of French if he were working on Spanish. So I hope to do that someday with Latin, just you know, for seven, eight weeks. No one speaks to me in anything but Latin. I read or look at nothing except Latin. So you're, gonna, you're basically going to abandon your family. I don't know. That's <laughs> why I haven't done it yet because right. I, I have a lot of responsibilities. Right. But I think you're absolutely right. That is the key to getting over that hump of thinking well in, in Latin and then speaking it naturally without so much focused effort yes yeah 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 that's um i i, I mean i've never gotten there with with uh with any other language than of course oh. the, the one you're born with but. music yeah. well i think i mean you've got a you've got a musical language you improvise on the guitar and the piano and it's th- very similar and i think there are yeah lots of connections between kind of uh, to learning uh being able to kind of perform music or improvise with music and, and languages right well. but uh, that would be another good google topic. absolutely let's let's move on we gotta move on because we're pushing the limits here okay, 18 cursus fatordrum nescit mens ula virordrum soli assess proprium ski refutura dei all right this is uh uh, Flora Legius? Yeah, so this is not an individual. It's from an, an anthology, from a Flora Legium. I see. Yeah, but I wasn't able to find who were the different authors in this Flora Legium. Okay. Right? So what does it mean? It's another couplet. Cursus fatordrum nascit means ula virorum. So the mind, no mind of man, knows the courses of the fates. Okay. Uh, it belongs to God alone to foretell the future. All right. Very nice. Yeah, it's nice. Right. Yeah, and there's uh, some... There's uh, some nice genitives here, fatordrum, virordrum, so we call that internal rhyme. Mm-hmm. Good Latin doesn't rhyme at the end of the line. I mean, it, it does sometimes when you get to the, say, the 10th century. Uh, Bernard of Clairvaux has some nice rhyming poetry. But for the most part, you don't rhyme. You use, you know, meter. Uh, but you can rhyme within the line, and yeah. that's what we have here. Excellent. Mm-hmm. I know a lot, a lot of your selections you've chosen, they're, they're fairly heavy. They're fairly weighty. That's me. That, that's that's yeah, you, right. right? But here comes a nice one. Okay, what do not, we got? Not, and, and some of them in the first set weren't so uh, weren't so heavy. You can go back and listen to those. So this is from a guy named Julius Wegeler. Okay. Uh, so it's Apud Wegelerum. It's another couplet. Quidara vult tali is non debet dicere vultus, 
Sed de cat plane, Lucas amica tene. So another internal rhyme. Yeah. Uh, so about the heaviness, right? Yeah. If I were to choose things that weren't so heavy, a lot of them are fairly salacious. Oh. <laughs> As you know yes. from Catullus yeah, and yeah, Marshall, yeah. they're you know they're PG thirteen or worse. Right. So I'm, I'm trying to have a broad audience here. I got so, you. Yeah. Got gotcha. you. Understood. Okay. So quidara wultali east non debet dicere wultis. The one who wants to share with others, who wants to give to others, he shouldn't say, "Do you want some?" Said dicat plene, but he should he should simply state, "Lucas amica tene." Take it, sweet friend. Take it, yes. Isn't that good advice? It is good advice. Yeah. Yep. So if you know uh, we're we're rolling out of here after the podcast, and you say, "Hey, Dave, you want to grab a burger?" No, no, no. 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 You should just say, "We're going to uh, whatever our burger joint of choice is." And you're having a burger with me. Yeah. Here it is. Yeah, yeah, No, I think that's, that's very true. Um, um, my, sometimes I drive my wife crazy with my questions. Right. And she just says, just say what you want. Right. Just say, yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> and I think in terms of just, in, in terms of like simplifying yeah. uh, human communication. Oh, I'm all for it. We, we tend to kind of hide behind kind of you're the, right. the questions because we don't want to like step on people's toes. Yes. And some, it's often in the name or the guise of courtesy. Right. But that's not really what's going on. Not at all. It's a self-protection mechanism. Exactly right. So, uh, Whoa, we went psychological here at the end of this gurgle. And I think it's also regional too. I mean, that's a part of like the, you know, oh, the, yeah. you know, like the Midwest nice. Right. Right, exactly. This would never fly in Brooklyn. Oh, no, it or, or Boston. Right. No. Exactly. <laughs> Out with it already. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> plain to say, take it, sweet friend. That's excellent. Right. All right. And we wrap it up with number 20. What do we got? Uh, this is from the Apostle John, the Gospel of John, chapter 14. Again, you know, uh, it's a theological sentiment mm-hmm. and maybe heavy, but uh, for me, it's a sweet promise. And um, as said before, right? You can go through these. You can sort out the uh, the biblical quotes if you don't want them. Just just learn the others if you like. Yes. So si quid petieritis in nomine meo ego faciam. So uh, if you shall ask for anything in my name, I'll do it. I will do it. Yeah. Right. So what's really nice about this? A painless way to teach what's called the simple fact future, mm-hmm. or the future most vivid. Yes. Which is a difficult conditional, but we got in the in the C clause the protasis. Petty eritus, which is a future perfect. Uh, if you shall have asked. Yeah. Uh, you don't take it that way in English, but if you ask. Mm-hmm. And then in the apodosis, the then clause, faciam. I'll do it. I will do it. Very straight, forward, simple stuff. You also have the um, one of my favorite my favorite little rhymes. To yeah. Is, After C, Nisi, Numine, all your ollies drop away. That's correct, because it's the quid there. The quid is an ollie quid. Right. right. And anything. That's, and that's why you translated it anything. Yes. Yep. So, uh, what if students uh, listen? Did I say students? Oops. <laughs> what if listeners want to become students of this and learn some of these? What should they do? We got, we got three options here, right? Yep. So the first option, they can listen to this episode over and over. They can take their notes, <laughs> um, and uh, you can edit it down to if you if you have your own mishka. Find your own mishka to do it, and yep. then it's free, right? Yep. Okay. Or the well, second one is uh, you can become a Patreon supporter at Patreon.com/slash Latin Per Diem and get all of these uh, high quality. Uh, audio recording with translation, uh, even at the lowest level of support, which is how much? It's a uh, dollar ninety nine. Wow, that's the Lucan per level. month. Yes. The Lucan level. Yeah. yeah, I was dissing on Lucan. So, <laughs> and the third way. The third way you can sign up for your LLPSI class. Now right. this this is kind of this is more hardcore, right? Oh this, yeah. I mean, this if you're really serious about it, this this is where you want to go. Yeah. Well, I hope that the uh, audience found this entertaining. But yeah. If they really want to, um, you know, acquire it, go hardcore. All right. So that's a gurgle. We got to thank a few people real fast. Yep. Mishka. Yes. Sound our, engineer. Our engineer. 
um, Ken for the great music that yep. uh, that uh, opens and closes. We got to mention our sponsors, Hackett Publishing. Check them out: h e c k e t t publishing dot com, and also Ratio Coffee at ratiocoffee.com. That's a Google. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.